0: Welcome to another special episode of BusinessWise, the podcast series for entrepreneurs studying the management system developed by Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, we're going to make this episode of Business Wise a little special because we have arrived at the end of volume two of this podcast series. Holy cow, we've been doing this now for two years. And this is the final episode of 2021. As we are closing out the year, it is, of course, a time for making new resolutions for the coming year. And it's also a good time to review one's goals and naturally the goals of the enterprise you have created, or more precisely, I would better say you are still creating, because hopefully you're still creating your organization in present time. Right. So it's a good time to review your goals and the goals of your enterprise, basically. So in a couple of days, I'm going to re release as a bonus episode, episode 53 from volume one of last year called Quality of Goals and Expansion. So. That's a very good companion episode to this one. I seldom re-listen to any of the BusinessWise episodes, but I reviewed it to make sure I'm not going to cover in today's episode something I'd already covered in an earlier episode. So as I re-listened to it, I thought, damn, that's a, that's a pretty good episode. We ought to re-release it. So I'm going to release that one probably on Wednesday in a couple of days, Quality Goals and Expansion. I might give it a, a slightly different title, but it's uh, very relevant to the what I'm, I'm going to do today. So you can go back and listen to it uh, after this one, if you like, uh, by searching through the archives, or you can wait until Wednesday, when we re-release it. But either way, uh, as I said, it's an excellent companion to this episode, so you should give it a listen when you get a chance to. Okay, now, uh, you know, we need to put more emphasis on this very, very important subject of goals. We really do. Now, we've done a couple of episodes on goals, but it is such a critical subject that, Mr. Hubbard even uses it in the definition of management itself. Uh, The article we're referencing in today's podcast is entitled An Essay on Management, and it is one of Mr. Hubbard's earliest writings on the subject. It's dated the 9th of January, 1951. It's also one of the longest articles he wrote on the subject that I'm aware of. It's 16 legal-sized typewritten pages. In fact, um, I could very possibly do a full year of episodes on this one article alone. It's, It's that important. It has so much in it. Oh, by the way this is also if you can get your hands on it a book called how to live though an executive there it's called group goals and management i believe it's a book i think it's out of print it will probably come back into print at some point but anyway if you get your hands on it this entire article is there and uh, mr Hubbard uses quite a vocabulary in this article And, and the nice thing about that particular edition in the book is that many of these terms are defined that he uses many historical terms and so forth. But anyway, let me give you from that chapter and from that article a definition of management from Mr. Hubbard. So he says, quote, goals and their proper definition are important because they are inherent in the definition of management itself. Management could be said to be the planning of means to attain goals and their assignation for execution to staff. Assignation would be to assign uh, things for people to do. So, assignation for execution to staff and the proper coordination of activities within the group to attain maximal efficiency with minimal effort to attain determined goals, end quote. That's from Mr. Hubbard. Now, with that definition, you could pretty much say that if you have no defined goals, then you would have no management because without goals, what are you managing towards? But I would be willing to bet that if I asked many of my members what the goals of their company is, they would probably have to stop and try to think something up. I mean, perhaps they have some goals like, quote, to make a good living, end quote, or um, to, quote, support my family, end quote, or to pay for my toys or something. But Do they have defined goals that they would be willing to share with every employee and customer? I don't know. I think I would catch a number of you flat-footed. Try selling the goal of buying my yacht to your employees or customers. If that's your goal, it's not going to be of much value in galvanizing your crew or getting customers to come streaming into your shop in waves. Now, I think a good way to kick off next year would be take a little time to carefully define and articulate your goals and the goals of your company. And in light of that, I'm going to cover a specific section of the aforementioned article from uh, an essay on management uh, from Mr. Hubbard called The Character of Goals. That's the title of that section to help you along with this. But before I do, I better define some terms. The first of these is a word coined by Mr. Hubbard, the word MEST. That's capital M, capital E, capital S, capital T. He defines this in the book, uh, How to Live Though an Executive, as, quote, mathematical symbol for matter, energy, space, and time. Loosely, property and possessions, end quote. So, you look at the initials matter, energy, space, and time, that obviously adds up to MEST, M-E-S-T. So, that's Loosely, you could say that's possessions, it's property, it's physical universe. It's the things that are uh, that you can touch and feel, okay, or sense. so that's mess. now, let's quickly review the word interbulate, which is a word that uh, Mr. Hubbard coined. You can actually find it in a lot of dictionaries these days. it's it's come into common parlance to interbulate, uh, which is to become or to cause someone or something to become turbulent or agitated and disturbed. You get the idea of turbulence, of course, when Water in a river rapidly moving, you know, crashes into a rock. You see, you know, air and water and foam and things mix, you've got turbulence that's interbulate. And okay? you can interbulate another person, you can interbulate a group, but you can also interbulate mess. You know, you go into somebody's office and he's got junk all over the place. He's got papers all over the place. No organization of any kind. Maybe it's dirty even. And, you know, the wastebasket hasn't been emptied in a long time. And, you know, there's a pair of sneakers in in the communication basket system and it's chaotic. You would say that's n turbulated messed, which then uh, Mr. Hubbard has another word, which is the word N-mest, E-N-M-E-S-T, which is he defines it as, in How to Live Though an Executive, in that book, he defines that as property, energy, or space, which has been rendered less useful by poor thinking. Time, which is wasted, that can also be enmeshed. Because remember, mess is matter, energy, space, and time. So you can have wasted time, would be a form of enmeshed. A broken down car would be enmeshed. Can't function, You can't drive it anywhere, it's not useful. You can have a kitchen that's so dirty and disorganized, you can't fix anything in it. That would be enmeshed. So uh, here's another definition. This is actually from a glossary, actually. I'm not sure that it's actually Mr. Hubbard's words here. But it says, messed, which was once organized, but has been disordered, confused, made less usable, or put into bad condition. And then you've got an example of an old rundown car, which we already used that one. So that's the word, enmessed mest." follow me so far. And then he uses the word theta, T-H-E-T-A which is possibly best defined in Mr. Hubbard's masterwork on the subject, which is called Science of Survival. And here on page 237, he describes it as, by which is meant the life force, life energy, divine energy, Ilan Vital, or by any other name, the energy peculiar to life, which acts upon material in the physical universe and animates it, mobilizes it, and changes it. So there you have a definition for theta, which is life force. And then later in the book, he uh, gives it another nuance or another definition, which is reason, serenity, stability, happiness, cheerful emotion, persistence, and the other factors which man ordinarily considers desirable. So that's theta, T-H-E-T-A, reason. Serenity, stability, happiness—all those things. That's theta. We've cleared up theta. We've cleared up mast and n mast, and of course, there's also uh, n theta, which would be interturbulated theta. Just like you have in-turbulated mast when you get all upset, you uh, may be experiencing some n theta. Somebody gets angry. There's some turbulence there. You know, can you all that in theta? So now he also uses the term dynamics which we have defined before in this podcast series, but very quickly, Mr. Hubbard defines them again in the book Science for Survival as, and uh, this very aligns with what we've been going over, but he, he defines it here. He says, the quote, the system of dynamics is a method of subdividing the theta of an individual to show how much theta he has available in any one sphere of activity. These divisions could be made as follows. First, the dynamic of self. The urge for individual survival, reason toward individual survival for oneself. So you know, a person's taking care of himself. He's working out. He's making sure he's keeps uh, he keeps himself more or less happy. Then these are first dynamic oriented type activity. Then you got second, the dynamic of survival through sex and children. So you know, the urge to uh, have a significant partner in one's life and the raise kids and create a family. That would be the second dynamic. Third, the urge to survive through groups as a member of the group or for the survival of the group itself. You know, we've all, many of us experienced that through athletic teams and fraternities and that sort of thing. And of course, organizations, your group is a third dynamic activity. Fourth, the urge of the individual to survive for mankind or the urge of all mankind to survive, which there was a bit more of that around, but uh, you will see people very strongly motivated by an urge to assist with the survival of all of mankind. That would be fourth dynamic. Fifth, the urge of the individual to survive for life or of life uh, to survive for itself. Uh, You often see that in people who have a great interest in uh, conservation, for instance, or the preservations of species and keeping nature beautiful and uh, flourishing and so on. That's fifth dynamic. Sixth, the urge of the individual to promote the survival of mest either for his own benefit or for the benefit of Mest itself, manifested in the preservation of property as such, no matter to whom it belongs. So that's the sixth dynamic. So you've seen, you know, of course, architects and builders who are fascinated with creating, you know, beautiful and elaborate, uh, useful structures. You could say they have a strong sixth dynamic urge. Seventh, the urge of Theta to survive. The urge of the individual to promote the survival of Theta and to survive through the survival of Theta. So you know people are interested in life and preservation of life and in increasing of life That would be a seventh dynamic urge eighth the urge towards survival through the supreme being and then he makes this observation the number eight laid on its side gives us a symbol for infinity interestingly enough, but the eighth dynamic, of course we see you know uh, naturally um, you know ministers or uh, representatives of faiths who um have a strong faith in a supreme being and uh, orient your activities around that and attempt to orient other people through uh, to be better oriented around an eighth dynamic, which is, of course, very survival. It is one of the dynamics. So that's the eighth dynamic. All right, so those are the dynamics. And uh, finally, in this article, he uses the word rapacious, just an English word. But let's just make sure you understand it. It means aggressively greedy or grasping, yes, yes, and derivation is useful. That's from the mid 17th century, from the Latin rapax, from rapere to snatch. Very interesting, from Latin rapere to seize, carry off by force, plunder. So that's rapacious. All right, so let's get on with this article then. So I'm picking this up near the beginning of the article. As I say, there's much material here to cover, but I'm just going to focus on one aspect of it, which is the character of goals. And Mr. Hubbard says here, quote, According to an expert on history, no group ever attains a higher level of ideal or ethic than at the moment it is first organized. This observation should be limited, to be true, to those groups wherein management has been assigned to the dreamer of the dream. Now, I'll take a little pause here to mention that we also did an episode on, I believe it's called, What is a Goalmaker? That is also based on this article, and you may want to review that one to understand better about dreamers and goalmakers, okay? And you might be one, you probably are, so you should listen to that one too. But anyway, back to the article. This observation should be limited to be true to those groups wherein management has been assigned to the dreamer of the dream. For in those cases where the dream was ably supported, the tone of the group remained high, and the group continued to be brilliantly effective, as in the case of Alexander, he's referring now to Alexander the Great, Macedonian who conquered much of the known world in his lifetime, a very short lifetime, but a very productive one. Uh, as in the case of Alexander, whose generals did all the generaling, and Alexander, a brilliant individual cavalryman, set examples and pointed out empires. But whether a group has an Alexander or a wild-eyed poet or an inventor doing its goal setting for it, the group cannot be an actual or even an effective group without such goals for its achievement and without management brilliant enough to achieve those goals. So here you go. You need two things for a true group to really take some territory. You got to have that dreamer. You got to have the goals. And then you got to have a brilliant management team, which the goal maker might create there put there but it cannot be the goal maker themselves the goal maker themselves is seldom management that doesn't work very well you can go back to that earlier episode to discover why but bottom line is you have to have the dreamer the goal maker and the management which has to be brilliant enough to achieve those goals and that may be your job to put that management there. So then he goes on to say this. This is very important because this is going into now the character of goals. So he says, quote, having examined the source of such goals, one should also examine the character of goals in general. There are probably as many goals as there are men to dream them, probably more. Goals can be divided into two categories roughly. The first would be survival goals, and the second would be non survival goals. So a group could have very survival goals, like, you know, build a flourishing company that, you know, improves the environment, improves the community. That could be a survival goal. You could also have a non-survival goal, like let's just conquer everybody and put them all in slavery and so forth. That would be non-survival. He goes on to say this, actually, most goals are a combination of both for goals are occasionally set forth solely for their appeal value, not for their actual value. So sometimes you get, you know, people come up with goals that are just going to keep people motivated. And uh, they're being based on an appeal value, not for their actual value. So he goes on to say, one sees that the goal of a nation, which directs it to conquer all other nations, ends up after occasional spurts of prosperity and racial disaster. Such a goal is not dissimilar to the money goal of most, quote, successful, end quote, industrialists or boards. One might call such goals acquisitive goals, entailing almost exclusively The ownership of the Mest accumulated through hard work by others. Technically, one could call these Enmest goals. For conquest of nations brings about the ownership of Mest, which, by conquest, has been interbulated into Enmest, and which will make Enmest of the conqueror's own land eventually. Okay, so you can look at history. You can look at uh, what happens to the conquerors uh, and the mess that falls under the control of conquerors. A very good example on a more microcosmic basis would be the possessions of a thief or uh, someone who comes by their uh, possessions illegally or through uh, theft or embezzlement. How often does that mess become en It becomes interbulated. It becomes uh decayed and um, filthy and uh, it's not like in the movies where it's all these beautiful glowing mansions no it's uh, if somebody comes by they're messed in unethical way, inevitably the mess that falls under their control ends up en-mested. so then he goes on to say rapacious money gathering gains and messed not messed and makes enmest of the rightful money of the inquisitor. such goals since they tend toward death, are then non-survival goals. Survival goals are good and successful in ratio to the amount of actual theta contained in them, which is to say the ability of the goals to answer out favorably on a maximum number of dynamics. If you are now, as a result of this episode, contemplating goals, try to get away from goals that are only acquisitive and look for goals that actually enhance across the dynamics. That would be you, your first dynamic, your family, obviously, but how about your employees, your group? How about the people you're serving, your customers? How about the community around you and your country and mankind in general? How about the environment? How about the mess that is coming under control of you're under your control or uh, the mess that you can influence, the physical environment that you can influence all these things if these are taken into consideration when you are selecting and embarking upon goals you have a far more survival goal versus a non-survival goal you can say well it's not that non-survival i just want to make a lot of money i want to have a big house i want to have a big car i want to make sure my kids go to college and all that that's true it's not it's not uh, particularly destructive but you would be amazed now i just thought just out of curiosity I don't make a study of uh, Elon Musk particularly. I think he's an interesting guy. He's probably a pretty social guy. I, I've uh, seen a little bit of uh, what he stands for. But I thought uh, just before I did this episode, I would just take a look because I had a pretty strong suspicion that the man had some very specific and expressed goals that were probably highly theta. So I just you know looked him up on Google. Any one of you can do this. And here we go. this is uh recently became the richest man on earth, evidently. I don't know how true that is, but certainly he's very, very well to do, right And here is uh his mission statement for his company, Tesla, which produces the electric cars. The mission statement is, quote, to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy end quote now, that's a mission statement. it's not a goal, but here are, here's the goal of the company. Create the most compelling car company of the 21st century while driving the world's transition to electric vehicles. All right, good. And now you can look how such goals and a mission statement, which is we would more or less call that a purpose statement, you can see how this promotes survival across many dynamics and is thus a very theta goal. Now, you can gotta go. Well, you know all these theta goals. They all sound great and all that. But I, you know, what about you know meeting care of myself and you know making money and all that jazz? This is the wealthiest guy on earth, supposedly, and these are his statements. If you want to follow uh, an example, that might not be a bad one to follow. And evidently, money was uh, not at the top of his goal list. But there he sits, uh, the wealthiest man on earth. Yes. Uh, This is a quote from Elon Musk, by the way. I thought that was interesting. I found this in my research. It says here, people work better when they know what the goal is and why. It is important that people look forward to coming to work every morning and enjoy working. End of quote. So that's Elon Musk. All right. There's a good alignment there. And I suspect that there would be. Why? Because the guy is successful. Because the guy, he's not just successful financially. He's creating quite an influence in the world. So uh, there you go. And there's some of his uh, philosophy and orientation. All right, so let's go back to this article from Mr. Hubbard then. We'll continue. He says, a survival goal then is actually only an optimum solution to existing problems plus theta enough in the dreamer to reach well beyond the casual solution. Look at the magnitude of these goals from uh, from Elon Musk. Like these are global This is not a small, this is star high goals. He's got other ones too that really do involve the stars, like colonizing Mars and that kind of stuff. These are big goals. What's wrong with you having big goals? Nothing. You know, you'll grow to the extent that you have established these big goals. And then Mr. Hubbard says a group best catalyzes on theta goals, not only to a higher pitch, but to a more lasting pitch than a group catalyzed by NMES goals as in a war. So you can say, well, you know, I drive them all to work because, you know, we're going to build this big old factory and make all kinds of mess, and we're going to have, you know, guns and we're going to have uh, you know, atomic bombs, and we're going to have all this mess we're going to create. And uh, I don't know if that's going to get everybody up in the morning or not. Probably not. It's not that kind of goal that's going to catalyze people. It's not going to catalyze them, you know, the way a theta goal will. You know, so think about that. Survival goal will. So, yeah, somebody wants to go out there and conquer another country and rallies everybody up into some high pitch of anger. It's not going to be as lasting. It's not going to be as high a pitch as uh, mobilizing or catalyzing a group based on a theta goal. Mr. Herbert goes on to say it can be postulated that theta goals could bring about a much higher level of enthusiasm and vigor than the most grandly brass-banded war ever adventured upon. L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, bring out all the brass bands. Get everybody all fired up. It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be as strong as the Theta Goals. So there you go. That's uh, today's episode And the final one of volume two done in the spirit of uh, presumably you're looking over your uh, resolutions for the coming year. Perhaps you're reviewing your goals for the coming year. Maybe you have maybe you're just looking at the fact maybe we need more goals. You know, definitely a good time to look at that and launch into 2022. Uh, I will uh, be re-releasing an earlier episode probably in a couple of days. Uh, called the uh, quality of goals I think is the title of it and I'd like you to listen to that too if you haven't reviewed it recently and that together with this one and maybe if you want to look at the episode on goal makers uh, that wouldn't be bad either those three episodes all are uh, dealing with the subject of goals and uh, as I say what better time of year to review one's goals than at the end of um, one year and before the launch of the next so all the best for 2022. Uh, very happy new year. And, uh, I will be talking to you, uh, next time next year. Thank you very much for listening.